Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of Untucked. Um, today we are going to talk about market predictions, how much you should have saved for retirement by certain ages, and the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, we did record this episode prior to the AFC and NFC Championship games, so um, Mike Trainer's prediction was made um, appropriately. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 61 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. This is Jeff on a beautiful, <laughs> snowy Friday. You guys snow fans or, or not? Nah. Trains? Uh, yeah, under the right conditions like this you enjoy a snowfall yeah for sure i mean unless it ruins the ponds which we're dealing with yeah yeah it's just mess it's messy and an inconvenience i hate that i just hate that like complaint about snow is it wrong no i mean but it's everybody's like it gets so messy and the roads get dirty and i can't drive like yeah all right well anyway (laughs) did you guys know that Superman, the comic, like he couldn't fly when he was originally drawn. And it wasn't until the 1940s that his ability changed from being able to leap really far, like leaping over tall buildings to full on flight. Because the animators, the people who drew him were tired of like constantly like drawing him jumping to and from locations so they like filed a request with dc comics like can we get him like full on flight so we don't have to like draw so much changing of body movement the pivotal moment in in world history jeff i mean it's huge it's enormous (laughs) wait you said 1940 how long has superman been around dude forever yeah a long time it really goes to show you how creativity has improved like yeah. back then they couldn't think, oh man, how dope would it be if this guy could fly? Or like he could just Like he jump. just started leaping far? Like the, who cares? Stupid, like the Hulk can <laughs> leap far. Like that's such an easy ability. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I just never thought that Superman like at one point couldn't fly. Right. He's another one. Like what else can he do? Just fly? He's just... got laser beam eyes, remember? He can shoot laser beams out of Does it eye. kill people? Oh, he can, yeah. Oh, okay. Super strength. He's super fast. Okay. He's an awesome superhero. Okay. If you've watched, Mike, I'm sure you've watched all the recent, like, <laughs> Batman versus Superman. No, and no. Justice League. I'm sure you've watched all that. No. Yeah. I mean, he's the ultimate weapon in Justice League. I mean, they can't stop him. Okay. Did you, have you seen that one? No. Like, Wonder Woman, Batman, uh, The Flash, Aquaman. Like, they... Like, they couldn't stop him. Why would they want to stop him? Aren't it's, they on the same team? We, yeah, oh, we don't okay. have time for okay. it. Sorry. All right. No, no, that's fine. Um, dig into Philly sports. Last time we talked, the birds were still playing, I believe. Yeah, they may have had the playoff game. No, they yeah. didn't. Ha- they, yeah, they did have a playoff game. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. They lost to... The Bucks. The Bucks. Not surprising. Lost to... The Niners? Yeah. Bucks who are Niners. playing 
The Rams. The Rams. Niners, no, Rams. The, no, no, no. The Bucks lost to the Rams. The Niners beat the Packers. That's right. Niners yeah. beat the Packers. Sorry. Um, yeah. Bucks, Rams. I'm sorry. Um, Niners, Rams, Bengals, um, Chiefs. Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going Rams, Chiefs, Super Bowl. And I want the Rams to win. I don't know if they will. I think it'll be a great game. A million points. I, I hope so. It'll yeah. be awesome to watch. And I'm going. I mean, I'm, I would. I would pull for the Rams. How? How? How would you not? How could you not pull for the Rams if it's Rams cheese? Yeah. Um. I think I agree. Yeah. I think I agree with your matchup. And uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I like Andy Reid, but Andy he's and just Mahomes have been won. there. Yeah. Like Matt Stafford? Matty Stafford. I'd like to see that. Dude, he was in Detroit, like yeah. the purgatory of football teams his entire career. Yeah. The first year he goes to the Rams, if he makes it to the Super Bowl and wins, that would be freaking awesome. Yeah. I could get down with that. Rams, Bengals, and I'm going <laughs> Bengals. Wow. You think the you think Bengals upset the Chiefs? Yeah. Would you be willing to put money on that? No, absolutely really? not. Absolutely not. I think a hundred bucks on the Bengals wins you like five hundred. Yeah, it's very tempting to me. <laughs> I think the Bengals have been fun to watch. Don't watch a lot of football, but I like Joe Burrow. He's I mean, they're played the awesome underdog here. Yeah. Well, let's pull for them, right? Oh, I'm oh, definitely pulling for them. Thirty years or something like that. They haven't. Yeah. Um, won a no, I'd them. love to see it. I just don't think it's no. I gonna happen. I'm going uh, contrarian on this one. Yeah, I think <laughs> with Andy's experience, the Chiefs' defense will probably do a good job of shutting down Jamar Chase. And then it, once you do that, not a lot of options. Not a not a ton. I mean, they the, the Bengals have a ton of good receivers. Yeah. Tyler Boyd. I forget their other second receiver's name right now. But um, yeah, I just think I think the Chiefs are too strong and too experienced for them. But Getting back to your original point, Philly sports. I mean, there's it's it's the Sixers, man. It's all we really care about right now. I mean, Mike, our fly guys are are pretty much toast, right? Yeah, it's a dumpster fire, and they're they're um, <laughs> they're literally like the laughing stock of the league. And if, if oh. there's a few others, but they're they're right there. Um, I mean, the whole t- they have to they have to have press conferences now to bring in the Comcast CEO to address all the you know how how. What a train wreck it's been. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm real. I've never done this before. I don't think, but I'm pulling for them to lose every game so they can improve their position in the draft. And because it's obviously playoffs are a, a zero probability, and you, you don't want to finish twelfth or thirteenth or fourteenth from the bottom and, and get kind of a welcome a mediocre mediocre pick. So. Welcome to the word of, world of tanking. Yes, and I would be, I would, I would love it if if Giroux agrees and they, he he lands in like you know Boston or Colorado or some somebody who has a shot. Um, and that can still happen this year, yeah, right? When sure. is there a trade deadline? There is. When is that? Oh, God, I don't. Know. Okay, I don't remember. Sorry to put you on the spot. It's, <laughs> it's February or March or something. It might be March. I don't know, but um, he has a no trade clause, so it's up to him to waive it. To waive it and. Uh, I mean, I do think Monday, March twenty first is the trade deadline in the NHL. I think Carter Hart and Farabee York might be the only untouchables on the whole team. Sure, but done. Hey, I would love to see them move Giroux. 
Go somewhere, win yeah. a cup. That would be awesome. That improves our chances of losing out, right? We get rid of Giroux. He's our best player, one of our best players. How much longer does he have? I think this is last year, and then he's he's up for a new deal. I mean, that. like generally in his career, what um, do you think? Probably three to four okay. good years. Yeah, yeah. go win one. Absolutely. Maybe retire as a flyer. Come back, retire as a flyer. Ken Hayes and Coos are looks like they're both out for the year with, with their surgeries, and Ryan Ellis probably didn't come back either. So, like, it's a, it's a total just – Throw the grenade on it and and see what happens next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who any any good young prospects that we like? <laughs> um, kind of no. Right um, now. my my son's boy, right? Is he this year? Who's that? What's his name, dude? Come on, Frost. No, no, no. Um, give me a second. I'll think of it. A lot of their but, like high Connor, end Connor Bedard, right? Isn't that? Oh, you're talking about. I thought you meant in their system. No, I'm talking about if he, they if they lose out, they get a decent draft pick. He's not in this year's draft. He's, he's next he's year. Next year, yeah. Is it Connor Bedard? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Colin loves him, man. Has loved him for years. Yeah, he's he'll be coveted. He'll be probably first or second overall. Okay, I know. but yeah, it's um, it's it sucks. You know, you're you're watching terrible hockey and. With a long way to go before they're relevant at this point. Yeah, I'm not watching terrible. No, I know you're not. Yeah. yeah, I tried the other night, and I just—it's too hard. It's too hard to watch, man. Yeah, I let, let let's move on from. The well, just fire. one quick. I told my son like you want to like. He asked me like I want to learn how to like play center, a little bit. I want to like. I'm like, all right, Kyle. What you gotta do is like sit down with me. We'll, we'll watch the Flyers. Watch the center. He goes, Dad, they suck. <laughs> and like then I was listening, like, they don't even have any centers anymore. Like they're all wingers converted to centers, I think, that are playing on the team right now. Yeah, but no, I mean I actually it's better to watch that from like high up at the game than right. try to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah, and all of them do their job reasonably the same. It's just their skill level is right. different. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, in terms of where they're supposed to be and sure. stuff like that. Yeah. So Sixers, Meg, what's our as our as our resident basketball expert? Mm. Is there any possibility for any kind of roster shifts before they get to the playoffs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a a big possibility. I mean, Maury has been real like very hush hush. She said like he's willing to keep Ben as long as it takes to get a top 25 guy for him, which I think that possibility, although there's a lot of speculation around James Harden right now, apparently he's unhappy in, um, in Brooklyn. So it was really this time last year that he was on the like kind of an option coming out of Houston. And, you know, what would the Sixers be willing to give up for him? And last year there was a lot more reason or a lot more people who were convinced Ben shouldn't be an option. And now, you know, everyone feels very differently. I'm not getting my hopes up. Um, I just, I can't (laughs) take a letdown like that any longer or anymore, but. Don't you think the Sixers should do everything they can possibly do to get James Harden? Yeah, absolutely. Like, give away everything. Everybody except Embiid's on the table. One million percent. But I just think, like, in the grand scheme of things, there are other teams who can offer more. So if James Harden wants to play with Joel and wants to compete immediately for a championship, which I'm sure he does, 
you know, that makes Philly a, a bit of a better destination. But now there were reports coming out today that they're investigating the actual, like, I guess there are a bunch of rules about how much you can talk to, like, perspective or other players, and they're investigating the way in which this Harden, these Harden talks are happening. That's I, got I, no legs, but... Well, I mean, they've blocked trades before, but uh, regardless of what may or may not happen with James Harden, they are a piece away, but Joel is absolutely dominating. I feel like every year I'm saying that, like he's playing out of his mind, he's playing out of his mind, and he's just like continued to raise his ceiling. Um, the last two years, it's been visible. Yeah. Right? So two seasons ago, he played well, mm-hmm. but had the critiques that you can have him. Last year, you're like, holy shit, what an awesome year. And this year, it's even better. Even better. That's why I'm like, dude, get Harden right. now. Now. Well, the, it, it just makes the – it's so much more ob- – like, he needs help as good as he is. And if it's if it's not Harden, if it's, if it's Bradley Beal, I mean, he came out and said he doesn't want to stay with Washington. Like, uh, he, they're not good enough. They're a piece away. But that shouldn't – take away from what Joel's doing. I mean, he's an MVP caliber player right now on both sides of the floor. He is one of the most skilled, like, seven-footers ever, and that's a very short list. Um, And then he's just, like, holding his teammates accountable. He's handling the media really well. He's encouraging his young players. Like, it's everything you want out of your guy. He's an awesome teammate. Yeah. He's awesome. He's doing everything right. Yeah. All right, we can stop the Joel Love Fest. Well, Shaq had a pretty scathing critique of Ben, and it was it was basically like, you know, everyone gets criticized, and you're playing with a guy who got criticized in Joel and who chose to, like, make himself better because of it and called Ben a baby. I mean, it was... It was awesome. I read it. It was awesome. I, I, and I listened to it, and I'm not a big Shaq commentator fan, because I think sometimes he talks about himself too much, but he he did in this regard, and he was like, everyone gets criticized. As good as I was in my prime, I got criticized. And to not respond to that criticism and to, like, shy away from it. So that was, yeah, that was the big talk before the Lakers game last night. Um, It was awesome. But, I mean, they're at, they're, like, they're fifth in the East. The East has been wild this year. I mean, the Heat are one, the Bulls are two, and the Cavs are three. Like, nobody would have predicted that. So it's been a fun season in that regard, too, like just as a basketball fan. Um, a lot of teams have have kind of come out of the woodwork and put together nice rosters. So whatever happens, it's going to be good and competitive. Um, and the West is the same, but the West has been that way for the last couple of years. The parity is just beginning to, like – kind of exists more in the East. So it's good basketball. Joe is making the Sixers a really fun team to watch, and hopefully they, just, they get a piece. They have to. I mean. Yeah. They're, his window is rapidly it's so, closing. It's yeah. so short, the mm-hmm. runway for him, mm-hmm. and he's playing so well. It would mm-hmm. be a travesty for them not to go all in right now. When you have pieces like Maxi that are just filling a great role as the yeah. point guard, I mean, you have – a couple of like you know Tobias Harris can be a great complimentary piece if he's yeah. playing that role. Yep. They just they have to do it and if they don't like shame on them man. Yeah, it would if 
if it's a Drew situation where this guy, this like vital part of an organization ends up gone without at least that effort being made, if it doesn't happen, but they did everything they could to get the extra piece or the extra pieces, I mean, that's one thing. But if they let Embiid expire, which the way he plays and his size, he will do that way sooner than most people. Like, we're not going to get a LeBron experience out of Joel Embiid. Right. Um, then, yeah, it would be a travesty for sure. And really tough for Sixers fans to, like, move on from. How many days till pitchers and catchers? <laughs> Anybody? Oh, All right, just me? Right. Yeah. Coach's Corner. Market predictions are still trash. This is from Mike Carlone from Blueprint Investment Partners. It's that time of the year. Time to predict how the market is going to perform, what asset class is going to be the winner, and what investment changes people should make. Mike, the author of this article, feels similarly um, to the way we do about market predictions. And as the title reads, they're trash. <laughs> so this is like pretty standard for December, January of every year, right? Um, what's the market going to do? What variables are going to impact performance of, I mean, you pick any asset class, any any stock, any company, Um and it's, as we always talk about, right, for, for eyeballs and clicks. I can't believe they still do it. I can't <laughs> believe people still do it. I can't believe the investing public still cares. Like, haven't they wised up that, I hate to use that so, like, derogatorily, if that's a word. Like, I can't believe they haven't wised up to it's such a, a roll of the dice. Like, when someone says... The Dow will hit a hundred thousand by twenty twenty, and they make that prediction in nineteen ninety nine. Like, I wish there was more of a fact check on these on people that you know the Merrill Lynches and you know the big brokerage houses of the world, or these people, you know, Nobel Prize winning economists that says the internet is played out in nineteen ninety. Like, I wish there was some, um, just just continuing to check on on these predictions to see how accurate people are because it's a total guess yeah i mean they, there's no consequences paul krugman right new york times writer he's in he's a buffoon by the way but he says you know in 1998 the internet's going to end up being like the fax machine i mean obviously <laughs> the most idiotic prediction ever but i mean he's still writing and talking and people are paying attention to what he says and there's you could you could there's hundreds if not more of those people out there that continuously are wrong and the guy who said the dow will hit 100,000 he's going to be right he just shouldn't Check. have said by by this date right right I mean, um, and, and maybe that's the lesson is like, you know, the, the, it will be here by this, this time, like interest rates will be at this by the end of the year is the most idiotic thing there is. I mean, and then there's, you name it, whatever the prediction is, it's, but you're right, Jeff. I mean, I think having people learn their lessons, I mean, no, cause I think, I mean, we get it. People say like, uh, well, what, what do you think the market's going to do this year or whatever? And, or what's your expectation for, yeah. for returns? And it's like, we don't know and nobody does, but long-term, this is what you, you should expect. And then, oh, of course, of course, of course, nobody can predict it. And then 
two minutes later they're talking about like mm-hmm. what's going to happen in the short term or what what we're, people are talking about is going to happen in the short term it's just just, I think that's a so, very so normal nice. question for our clients. Like, I sure. don't resent our clients for asking us because I think as much as we've educated them on what our value is, and it's not speculating on what's going to happen with investments or markets, um, they look to us as professionals to sound off on something, right? Like, what what do you think the market's going to do this year? It's the same as like, you're listen, I listen to sports talk radio and they have Ray Dittinger and like, Ray, who, who do you think is going to win like the Ram, like, yeah, the Rams Niners game? Like Ray's an expert, but it's a total guess. I mean, Matt Stafford yeah. can get hurt in the first quarter, right? Like anything, like anything can, can happen that can drive markets. It's completely out of our control. Um, but I they're mean, leaning, they're looking to us to give them some feedback as to why it may or may not do like something. I have a personal opinion on what, what I think this year will be, but I'm not going to like, act on it or do anything sure you know um you know significant because i believe it's time or whatever whatever it is um because we've had an unprecedented run for 11 years where it barely even like paused and um you, you know if you if plenty of times during that the past decade there was it was reasonable to say we're gonna have like a, a a correction or a year or two of like negative and it really didn't happen and if you and if you acted on that conviction and you would have been perfectly within your you know rights to have that conviction based on history and the way stuff goes you would have you would have been a loser yeah you know? yeah so separating what you think is going to happen from what you're actually doing with your money and and how it's structured and set up to 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 handle and deal with uh, the temporary da- downturns are two different things, two, two different things. And if you want to set aside a little play account to speculate on, on the short term, fine, but don't do, don't do anything with your real money based on, you know, people saying, Oh, here it comes. We're, we're, we're going to have a, yeah, we're going to have a 20% down year this year. We might, but it's just a prediction. It has, it carries no more weight than, Somebody saying, yeah, we're going to be up 8% by the end of the year. It's, it's yeah. the same thing. We know that, right? But like financial news and media, I mean, perpetuates these predictions because people listen and people watch. And then in turn, people do things like they don't do what you're describing. They don't separate the speculative nature of some person shouting about what the Dow is or isn't going to do this year from like their own own portfolio or their own financial plan. And I just like, as long as people continue to get away with this irresponsible, it's not advice dispensing, but people take it as advice, right? The common investor takes it as, as advice. As long as people continue to act on it, it's going to continue to happen. Like, I don't see an end to this. No, because I mean, we all get emails every day. Um, yeah. You know, uh, join us for our the market outlook from mm-hmm. such and such Delete. later today. Or, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to hear what Lizanne Saunders from Schwab has to say <laughs> about what's going to happen? No, I, have, I, I would rather like, um, you know, go to the dentist <laughs> because it's such a waste of breath and time to listen to somebody pontificate about. Yeah. I mean, there is value in, in understanding some of the factors and variables sure. and the things that are going on and how, what, you know, the impact of 
inflation. That the problem is that there are a million variables going on that impact prices in the future. And to to think that somebody can just you know say, well, inflation is going to do this, and uh, so uh, you know, uh, growth stocks are going to be down this year, whatever. It's just it's just to use a, a big word, pedestrian. You know, to wow to, to kind of like look at it that way. There's that's, too many factors. That's exactly the reason why it's going to never stop. Yes. Because there's so many variables that move the market that it would be very easy for you to sit down, grab a few of those variables, whether it's P.E. ratios, mm-hmm. GDP or interest rates, and come up with your theory why the market's going to go up this year. Mm-hmm. And then you can very easily turn around and grab three other variables to explain why the market's going to go down this year. And people read it and they go, that's a great case. Yeah, but literally every day you can make a great case either way Mm -hmm. because there's just too many things that move it. But the investing public wants to anchor on that one thing that moved the market today. It's such bullshit. And not to get on, but to connect that to what's wrong with our industry is too many practitioners, I'll call them, do just that. They'll latch on to the here's reasons one, two and three. And then... uh, Mrs. Client, here's what we're going to, here's how we're going to position your portfolio based on what is likely to happen. And they they think that's, and the client thinks they're getting value. The client thinks that, well, thank thank God I have this advisor who's, you know, connected to all these smart people who, who can, you know, help me avoid a downturn or take advantage. I mean, that, that's what unfortunately too many people do. And Uh, it only takes one one missed event, whether it's a significant decline, I'll say specifically on the downside, right? Whether it's a significant decline, a bad day, a bad month, it takes one for your advisor or for you to have been right to then give you this overconfidence that you can do it again, right? right? Exactly. It's, it's like that I told you so moment where what I thought came to fruition, not because of one of the three reasons I speculated, but because of something I didn't even know or understand in most cases. But it takes one time for people to then completely shy away, completely abandon investment philosophies, completely abandon financial plans, because one person said one thing, you acted on it one time, and now- They're geniuses. Right, I'm the smartest guy in the room. We talk about these biases all the time, and to me, confirmation bias is a near the top of the list, but hindsight bias is mm-hmm. right there, which is just, and it's happening right now. People look at one month into the year and they say, this was so easy to predict we were gonna have a, a pullback. Saw a I mean, comment, everybody was, saw a comment, right? Right, right. No, they, you, you said something, Mike, that, that resonated from me, with me from the article where the, 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 the writer said, some advisors when building, selecting, or selecting portfolios focus solely on short-term quantitative risk return metrics and disregard how each holding influences behavior, investor behavior. Like I thought that was a really good, like you have to think about how the holding is gonna influence, like if you buy crypto for a client that can go from 60,000 to 35,000, like they're going to lose their minds. You have to build the plan in a way, and which we do so that, and maybe to a fault, we build the plan in a way that we know won't lead clients to making bad decisions. And I think that's so important. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Another topic, and I won't speak for you guys, but another topic that I personally find awful, along with market predictions, is these articles 
about how much money you should have saved by certain ages. Um, the one that we read is from Quicken's blog. Um, there's no shortage of this type of commentary. This particular article is offering advice on types of savings, specifically emergency fund plan savings and retirement, and then goes on to basically establish benchmarks for each decade of life um, and you know how much money you should have saved in no particular terms but by those ages. I hate them. I thought I was going to be the only one who was no, going to come down on this. I knew Mike was going to like <laughs> hate this article. <laughs> Um, so do you hate them? I, I, I don't like how this article did it okay. because I think it's very, very poorly quantified. So explain what the article did. Uh, you know, in- I think the idea of helping people understand because how much they should save is important. The way that they did this is, is not good. So what I mean by that is everyone... I mean, for years now, when I, when, I, when I meet with people, it's not uncommon for them to say, well, how do I stack up against other 40-year-olds? Other how do I stack up against other 65-year-olds? Like, am I, like, in the ball? And that has nothing yep. to do with it. Mm-hmm. If someone wrote an article and said, look, if you are growing your family and living your life and, and, and marching your way towards retirement, like in your 40s or 50s, and your budget is $7,000 a month. That's the number that we need to think about as you approach retirement. So what I need you to do is forget about like how much you should have saved. What are your fixed incomes going to be when you retire? Is it going to be social and pension or, or something else, real estate income, whatever? That's going to equal three grand. So you need to make up roughly another 4000 from your investments. So that means you need to have X saved by the, like they should do it that way instead of saying when you're 60, the median person has saved 162,000. Like, dude, you're going broke if you retire at 60 with 162,000. Like, it's crazy. The, the the numbers they threw out were terrible. Well, and I think that's my some of my beef with these things is it's like a scare tactic, right? We all know how horrible the retirement saving statistics are. That's no secret. So the and, and I I I understand your um, I'll say alternative to them in in the math problem that gets you to maybe a more specific number, um, but that this is it, it's platitude it, it's meaningless to to anybody like how much other people have saved is irrelevant to me I don't find it helpful and I don't know that anybody even anybody gains anything right. from well, it personal finance is personal yes that's the, like period so any article and there's many others like this and, th- and my biggest beef with this type of and when i say that uh, they they um they harp continually on this is the percentage of your salary that you yeah. should have in in you know savings or net worth or what have you and it and it changes throughout throughout the decades um and when you retire you need to have the, you know, X percent of your final salary saved and that'll, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Because, you know, for many people, their salary is very variable throughout their lives, their working lives. And for many, and, and for most people, their spending is very variable. It's a, you know, it's a much more complex question to answer than having these idiotic, like benchmark 
you know, percentage of this saved and you'll be, you know, you'll be okay. What the, who would ever, and I, and it's not just this article, like you go on mm-hmm. Fidelity or Vanguard, a lot of these like, you know, large institutional, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the help areas where they're, they're doing the same thing. They're talking about percentage of salary. What, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, it's, it's, you said it best, Mike, it's personal. Um, like even my example of trying to like give people a roadmap, like, well, what if my mortgage is paid off by the time I retire? That's yeah. a $1,500 a month reduction. Yeah. I don't have to pay as much in taxes. What if my parents are gifting me? Five? Like it's, it's very, it's very personal, which makes it impossible to give people like a, like, I mean, I, th- I thought like the, you know, have four times your salary and net worth or so. like, even that's like, it's not going to, it's not going to cut it. Like. And then drilling down another another layer, I mean, savings is generally described as like money that you've put away in your retirement account. Right. That's kind of how people think of savings. And then it's like, oh, and then, you know, have, have a little bit of cash over here in case you, your appliance breaks or something. And it's like nobody's really talking, I don't think, really talking seriously enough to people as they're younger to be very, very deliberate in trying to set aside after tax money, mm-hmm. not just so that they don't roll in as a 65 year old with every dollar they own in a 401k. Yeah. Um, and I get, I get it. It's hard when you're young and when you have a lot of expenses, most, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck and there isn't anything left over to put aside. But I mean, the answer Even, just isn't savings is your four is your four hundred one k contribution. That's not it, right? Well, in in that case, it's like maybe you don't max out the four hundred one k, but like that, you no one gets into that. I mean, there's a line in here that's like a a private private brokerage account like right. what even is a private oh, brokerage yeah. it's account? like oh, when you're in your 50s you should consider setting uh, up a private brokerage account because you'll be earning more well, is that like that? offshore right then there's <laughs> right. this layer of like accessibility oh can i even get a pri- yes everyone can like but, so i just think there's you they try to oversimplify mm-hmm. but then i feel like they end up just offering very like ineffective advice because if there's anybody who's gen- if there's anybody who's genuinely seeking answers to these types of questions, they need to consult a financial planner. Like that's who's going to give you the information you need, not Vanguard's like white paper on mm-hmm. how much you should have saved by the time you're 45 if you want to retire by the time you're 65. So how do you do that? Because Mike, you said earlier, like the sooner you start, the better. No one's doing a good job of educating these younger people to just start carving off something for savings. But like a 23-year-old, 24-year-old who just started working cannot, I mean, they they can't afford to hire someone to help them with that. So there's, there has to be some kind of basic roadmap for them, right? Like, okay, it's your first job out of college. You're making 40 grand a year. You need to take 5% of that salary and go into savings and 2% into 401k. And like that's baseline. And then call me in ten years when you're 35 and you have a family or not, or you're married or not, but you're now making twice as much. And now we can engage in like a formal process because how much you need to stop working is very personal. And there's so many factors that need to be discussed. I mean, we talk about it like 
we know things about our clients that no one else knows. Their kids don't know, their friends don't know. We know everything about their finances, about them personally, about their likes and dislikes. It's crazy. And that's what you need to do. And that's what you need to know in order to help guide people to these different milestones. And they're like, how do I buy a house? How do I afford to get married? How do I afford to have kids? How do I send them to college? How do I retire? Like, how do we take big vacations? How do I gift to my kids? Like, you need someone to know you intimately to be able to give you good advice to do that. So how do you start? Where? How do you start them when they're in their 20s? I have a fact finder for you. <laughs> I, have a, I have a roadmap. Like, I don't know. It's hard. You need. Yeah, it is. It is difficult. And I think the what you said, 5% here and 2% there gets back to this article. Like you can't offer the any two people the same right. Right, advice. So it is difficult. And um, I, I guess I, I'm trying to think if there are other solutions, whether it's technology-based, that offer even a little bit more of a personal element to it. You know, um, and I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I guess I'm suggesting that like, these articles ain't it. Does yeah. that mean that there isn't something else? No. Um, I mean. Is there any value whatsoever in this article? No. I don't think so. I mean, I think it was. Yeah, the value of, is it helps people feel good about themselves. <laughs> because people who have because more the than the media. Yeah, oh, I yeah. Have more I'm 50 and I have more than 117,000, so I'm doing something well, right. Yeah, Great. I guess there's value You have 125,000. You're still going to go broke, right? Like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that, that, there's value in that. People validate themselves. Sure, that's valuable. Because the bar is so low here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know, I mean, half the people over 50 have less than 50 grand saved. Like, I mean, that's... Right. So it's going to make most people feel pretty good. I think we that's have to, good. like our industry should find a way because parents aren't it. Parents can't give good financial advice to their kids. They're just not equipped to do it because a lot of them don't have the right answers. So there has to be some kind of engagement where you can take some time to educate. Maybe it starts at the college level where they're learning actual applicable, good financial information, which we're not doing now. Um, but there needs to be some kind of service that can educate. Like, you know, rookies going to the NBA. They have a they have a program for them to help educate them of the do's and don'ts. There should be a program for kids that graduate and get their first job, these are the do's and don'ts. It doesn't have to be super complicated, but like this is where you should start. And we don't have to talk about like where like putting $5 a week into your bank account will get you when you're 85 because right. they don't give a shit about that. Right. And please don't tell me not to drink coffee or get my right. coffee. <laughs> so, I mean, that should that be like a company's uh, benefit offering? That's a, yeah, I mean, wealth sense is what came to mind yeah. to me, which I don't even know how that works. But like, yeah, is it through your 401k? Is it additional yeah, service? The four, the, yeah, the, the, the company should try to pay for a service. It's going to be expensive, though, for a, like a, a, a company like, they, you know, SAP should hire us to meet with all of their, and, and they need to pay us a lot to meet with their employees, to help them develop good financial habits, which will make them great employees when they feel confident about their finances. I think in theory, that's good. Um, I just read something where these wellness, um, these wellness offerings that are being sold into companies like you just described are 
not well received. And one of the main reasons is that the employees do not want, they believe that their employers get this information. They don't want their employers knowing their, you know, financial, their, their details of their financial situation. And I get that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, there's real barriers to like really implementing that out within a company kind of sponsored uh, format. But I don't know what the answer is, Jeff. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's, well, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I think on a very basic level, then maybe this is oversimplifying, which is what I was just critical of is like living within your means, like as a 22 year old, right? Like not spending more than you make, whatever you're doing, you're making, you know, $15 an hour coming out of college or you're making 50 grand a year or like whatever in between. Um, understanding that if you can develop that habit, and I'm not even talking about with with an, with savings necessarily, but if your lifestyle can stay within your means and then you can make more money, because we know that income is the variable that changes everything, right? Making more money over the course of your life, like starting out with whatever you're making and not spending more than that. Not going to the credit card to meet your lifestyle because your income doesn't doesn't meet. support it, and then you you eventually hope to make more money, and then there's the opportunity to save, and then maybe by then you're in a position where you can ask, well, I know I can save. Where should I be saving? Yeah, I mean, there's also there's other there's so many other aspects. Like, should I borrow 150 grand to get my MBA? Right. I mean, yeah, you know, answer might be. Mostly time, most of the time, no. no. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, enough on personal finance. Yeah. Back to sports. Big baseball fans these days. <laughs> Huge. I know you guys are all about this. <laughs> the Baseball Hall of Fame struggle with the steroid era ends in an awkward stalemate. This is from Michael Bauman from The Ringer. The 2022 Major League Baseball Hall of Fame class was announced, and once again, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are not on it. Michael's article discusses the impact performance-enhancing drugs have had on the Hall of Fame voting and the star, with an asterisk, <laughs> players who will never be part of it. Go ahead, Mike. Vent. I know you got, I know you got some vent. No, I, I, I just have kind of questions. I mean, I guess there's a bunch of – I mean, I'm, I'm asking – a bunch of baseball writers determine who gets into the Hall of Fame or not, right? Come on. You don't call them baseball writers. What are they? What how, did the you, how did you used? refer to them yesterday? Two days ago. Oh, nerd, baseball nerds? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. The guys who never played but yeah. just were like baseball card collectors and just love <laughs> looking at the stats. You just alienated like 50% purists. of our audience. Baseball yeah. purists. Um, so, I mean, is that how it works? They, they're, they're just writers that determine who's in or out yeah i believe so yes yeah um i i mean i read this article and it was kind of like are, is, is criteria to get into a hall of fame any hall of fame does part of it um is part of it basically like were you a good guy or not no because I, it seems like that's that's part of this which is like roger clemens was an asshole i think the answer is no but we have humans making these mm -hmm. decisions and voting so there's natural biases that exist. Like, I don't think, is he a dick is on the card that they have to check yes or no. <laughs> right. But, but like, obviously, if he was a dick to you in an interview, you're probably going to be far more critical than the guy who wasn't a dick to you in the interview. Exactly. 
So that gets back to my question. Why are these people making the call on who gets in or out of the Hall, uh, the hall of Fame? Probably because they're the, they're the least biased. We just described how they might be the most biased. Not necessarily. I mean, wouldn't a wouldn't a former teammate be very biased? Like so, so like should players vote? How about should coaches like, vote? What They're, about a committee of like existing Hall of Fame members that are into it and want to do this evaluation? They didn't necessarily play with the guy, the, mm-hmm. the, the the candidates, but or maybe a mix, not just media members. Mm-hmm. I just it's 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 weird to me that that because you know how you know how many of the now there's plenty of really good competent baseball writers I'm sure but there's also the opposite and you got these people who are you know a lot of them have grudges and they're I mean it's just not to me it's not fair that people are getting left off of a really really like prestigious honor athletically because of factors other than their performance on the I field. can completely understand why um Clemens and Bonds I can I to use your term the baseball nerds and baseball to use your term Megan purists were like it was an egregious use of performance enhancing drugs which is not acceptable in this game so we don't want them in I don't agree with them I think when you're when you're sitting down with your grandson or granddaughter who loves baseball and says, Pop, Pop, how come the guy who has the most home runs in history isn't in the Hall of Fame? How come the pitcher who's won the Cy Young Award the most times isn't in the Hall of Fame? How come the guy who has the most hits, Pete Rose, ever isn't in the Hall of Fame? Like, that's a tr- that, like that, that's not, they, as baseball players, they should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, I understand how the purists may be like, nope, you're, you've, you've tainted our game and we don't want you in. So then how come uh, a guy who plays in Colorado his whole career and hits pop flies and they go over the fence because you're in Colorado and puts up insane stats can get in on that basis when somebody who plays in a really Dude. difficult hitting park? Because if you want to, I'm, I'm being a baseball nerd right now. <laughs> yeah, but half I mean, of his fair. games are not in Colorado. But half of them are. <laughs> Who are we referring to? I don't know. Do you even have name? a person? Larry that... Walker? Is that him? Know, You're dude. the baseball guy. No, I don't know. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I think some of it, and it shouldn't, is going to come down to personality. Like David Ortiz made the Hall of Fame. Because mm-hmm. uh, he, was, he was a lovable guy. He's a great dude. Mm-hmm. Roger Clemens and and Barry Bonds were are like jerks. So it, yeah. Look, don't be a jerk, and you'll make it to the Hall of Fame, dude. I don't have to tell you. Like, be a little nicer, especially to the people who are going to vote on you. That's not the job. We just said the Hall of Fame is for you know the it's it's performance in the sport, not not how you are off the field, right? Yeah, I I think I'm more in the camp that like your your statistics, your your success should be it exclusively, and. Um, I guess I, I do see what you're saying, Jeff, in that you can understand. And I guess I understand. I just don't agree with the fact that um, those two in particular, and, you know, again, not a big baseball girl, so don't have very but strong if, opinions. If someone here. was just like shitting on Embiid and LeBron for like 
years. And then you find out like, oh, they were like on roids their entire career. But we're not we're, talking about an entire career. Like okay, the, it's half their career. But that doesn't that matter? It does, yeah. Like does. so and it, I think that's where I'm shaking out. Like if we remove the the steroid era from Clemens and from Bonds, like they're still like they should still be in this yeah. consideration. Now, is it maybe a closer call? Sure. Could you could you find baseball nerds who could find statistics that maybe discount them based on the statistic? Yes. But like I guess that's my point. If it's an entire career and you find out that the guy juiced for 12 years, yeah, like he doesn't get put anywhere. But if your career before and after still warrants this same... It's just hard to find the, where, where was the line. Where, when did they start? When did they stop? I mean, don't they... That's why they test. See, I'm not going to be in that big like conspiracy theory camp either that like they were hiding it for however long. Like so somebody's urine injected into your bladder. I mean, it's very easy to do. Right, right. So yeah, you could have your <laughs> what did they do in the cycle the in Europe with the they had like their blood blood like yeah, transfused blood Lance Armstrong, man. Like think about all the conspiracy oh, not conspiracy. It's not conspiracy theory. It happens. The, yeah. Um It's sports. That's why I I guess I shake out me personally like it's sports. Like just because they got caught juicing, doesn't mean that the the hundred percent of everyone in the Hall of Fame never juiced. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure. They juice. They all juice. Sure. Why wouldn't they? It's like their 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 financial lives and sports careers depend on them being at like their all time greatest. Carl Lewis juiced. Like all these guys juiced. Yeah, let him in. Like the fact that seventy five percent have a juice wing. <laughs> that up, and they're in. I think that's good. a solution. A juice wing. Yeah, it's a shame, man. I was kind of bummed to hear they didn't get in, but baseball's a little goofy. Yeah, I, I think that element of it is what's unique about this experience. Is baseball is just such a old timey. I mean, Pete Rose, like that, like I'm more upset about Pete Rose. Like, so he bet on the game. Who gives a crap? He's still like, he's got the hit record. Like, let him in. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Baseball stinks. That's pretty much what this comes down to. It's so statistics heavy. You know, it's all stats, and that's why there's a lot of like, Nerds who well, love it. And it's like it's America's pastime. We've yeah. been playing it since we were in the Civil War. Like And like the people who took performance-enhancing drugs made it fun. I cared about baseball when Barry Bonds was hitting six home runs every night. Like yeah. it was entertaining. It was and now it's just like a snooze fest again. Let them use aluminum bats and let's just uh, get. You, you'll have pitchers dying. Yeah. You know? like I'm, there will be a pitcher, pitcher shortage. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to want to throw a ball across right. the plate. Yeah. Uh. All right, well, poor poor Roger, poor Barry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll move on. Top five. Mm. Okay, so top five, Mrs., Ms., or Miss. So not like Mrs., like I missed the ball, like mm-hmm. M-R-S dot. M-S dot M-I-S-S. Yes. Who wants to go first? Mike, did you even consider like music in this? Mm, I did. Okay. I did. Who wants to go? I'll go first. Okay. Um, all right. So my number one is Miss Jackson by Outcast. 
Yeah, she was on my list. <laughs> um, another song by Bubba Sparks, Miss New Booty. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was going to be on your list, so I left it off of mine. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, <laughs> one of your favorite songs? <laughs> I love it so much. Miss Congeniality. Ooh, good one. Sandra Bullock yeah. movie that she I had that. I had that on very list. much enjoyed. Um, Swiss Miss, the hot chocolate. Really? Is mm-hmm. that a miss? Mm-hmm. It is. Because it's the Swiss Miss? Yeah. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure if that was legit, legit or not. Um, and then I don't really know if I can. I'm, I'm going to say it. Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, I didn't think either one of you would have that. So... Yeah, Miss Daisy. Yeah, okay. So, yes, I'm Miss Daisy. I'll be honking. <laughs> All right, there's my five. Ugh, I got to take Daisy off my list. All right, I'll go because, Jeff, yours are probably more so. creative. Um, I got Mrs. Robinson from the old the, the mm-hmm. Graduate, the movie. Yeah. Um, the Dustin Hoffman flick. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't like – when I say top five, this one, it's not because I'm a fan of it, but it's just – fits the category miss america mm. yeah the pageant i considered yeah. miss america yeah yeah okay i specifically didn't include it as a feminine <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and i've got mrs garrett who was the uh housekeeper in different strokes okay okay yeah mm-hmm. um and i've got miss piggy i mean kind of a boring mm-hmm. stupid one but you know, it's like kind a, of iconic. Though. Yeah, kind of iconic. And then, and then this this one I thought of. I'll, I'll, this is my last one. The Mighty Miss, the old Miss, the Mighty Miss. Ah, the old Miss. Yeah. yeah. What's that? It's from, like a boat, isn't it? From vacation when Chevy Chase is talking about the uh, they're driving across the country and he's, he's telling Russ about the Mighty Miss or something like that. <laughs> I forget the exact line. Yeah. But. <laughs> You lost me. I thought it was a boat. It's a nickname for the Mississippi River. Oh, okay. So I thought like wouldn't Mississippi count because the uh, you could have said Old Miss the the. uh, Ah, all right. A lot of Mississippi. Okay. So there's a lot of overlap. So I'll I'll throw uh, Miss Miss Piggy was on my list. So because like you said, iconic. Um, Mrs. Cleaver, Mm -hmm. the Beeves mom, (laughs) Mrs. Buttersworth. Thought I had her on my list too. Are we still? Yeah, I don't think we're still calling her that. Yeah, I know. But, but I love. I mean, how could you like Mrs. Buttersworth no, was a good like, one. That's a the good syrup one. supplier as a child. I mean, yeah. growing up. And was she the first bottle that was shaped like a Dude, person? I mean, it talked in the commercials. It was phenomenal. <laughs> um. So getting to your Miss America, I went with Miss South Carolina because she's always fire. Dude, Miss South Carolina is always a smoke show, dude. Always. South Carolina. South Carolina. <laughs> dude, I didn't do any, pay attention. I didn't do any research on that. Um, I thought you were going to one-up him and do Miss Universe or something. No, no. So I got Piggy, Cleaver. Oh, okay, and then the last one is Little Miss. Little Miss. Little Miss can't be wrong. I, I almost used that. What is that? It's a, it's a song by the uh, Spin Doctors. Spin maybe? Doctors, yeah. Little Miss can't be wrong. So he wrote that song about his stepmom. Yeah, who told him, like, he's, like, never going to amount to anything. He's going to end up, like, playing in, like, playing music in, like, a gutter to the rats. Who's he? The Um, spin doctor. Yeah, yeah, one of the the guy who, like, sings the song. Got it. And then, like, he tweeted out something, like, this, like, 
my stepmother said I was gonna be like playing in like a playing music in like the subway to rats and never amount to anything and my song that's about her has been played three million times on the radio ultimate diss track yeah yeah cool all right thanks for listening yep thanks for listening bye